0: Welcome to the podcast for Gateway Baptist Church. You're listening to a message from our Mackenzie campus. Find us at gatewaybaptist.com.au if you'd like to connect with us as we seek to change lives by following Jesus in our community, our nation, and our world.
1: Wait a patiently for the Lord. He inclined and heard my cry. He lifted me up out of the pit, Out of my clay. And I will sing, sing a new song I will sing, sing a new song upon a rock and made my footsteps firm. Many will see, many will see and here. I will sing, sing a new song. I will sing, sing a new song.
2: question this year already and the year is only four weeks old. How long? I I love this song and I hate this song. You know, when I was a teenager uh, growing up, I was a big U2 fan and I remember when U2 put Psalm 40 to music and it started being played on mainstream radio. It was the first time as a teenager I heard the words of scripture actually sung, you know, on the radio and the world singing along and I loved it. I also hate this song, because the first thing that I did as a teenager in ministry was become a Sunday school teacher, and it was back in the days when there was a Sunday school superintendent. Who remembers those days? And they were scary, and the superintendent had a rule. If you're a Sunday school teacher, you, you had to have your turn of doing the craft, you had to have your turn of telling the story, and you had to have your turn of singing the song. And I stupidly told the superintendent that I loved that song that you two were singing uh, at the time. And she said, good. Well, you can bring your guitar and sing and play it to the whole class next Sunday. Even though I have no rhythm and I'm tone deaf, and I'm telling you, I was only about 20 seconds into that song and the whole room was going, how long? (laughs) How long is he going to sing this song? I love this song because it's a great song of hope and deliverance and salvation. Jesus lifting us out of the pit. I hate this song because I hate waiting patiently. There's only one thing I hate more than shopping, and it's waiting while I'm shopping. You know, I get to the checkout and I kind of uh, would really prefer somebody else to take all my groceries and ding them and pack them for me, but I get there and there's an old lady with all her groceries already on the conveyor belt and so I go into the self-serve checkout because even though I prefer somebody else to do all the work for me, I'm impatient and I want to get out of there as quick uh, as I can. I get really impatient, you know, when the lady inside the scanner, you know, uh, says, says This is a card-only machine. Do you want to continue? And they won't let me continue until I press the button. That's how impatient you know I am. And I'm really impatient, even though I've got you know only six items. I got to ding and pack. I got to patiently wait for a six-foot docket to print out that I got to take with me. I'm kind of pulling it out, you know, of the machine before it's all finished because I don't like waiting patiently. I remember, eight years old, you know, Dad thought it was a good idea to drive across the Nullarbor plain with three young kids in an XP Falcon with no air conditioning, towing a caravan in the middle of the summer holidays. It was hot. 1765 kilometres. How long until we get there? These days, it's only 429 kilometers because you've got to stop at the WA border and turn around. But back in the days when you could go all the way across, it was a long, long way. And we'd sit in the back and we'd say, Dad, how long? And at the time, we had this kids praise and worship tape. And every time we asked it, Mum and Dad would put it in and would play this song. If you remember the music machine... Come on, just sing along with Mark this morning.
1: Have patience, have patience. You don't need to hurry. As you won't be patient, you won't even worry. Remember, remember that God is patient too. And think about the times that others had to wait for you.
2: Mark loves singing that song. I had to bribe him during the week. But that song comes back to me all the time. Have patience, don't be in such a hurry. When you get in a hurry, you only start to worry. And the bit that I keeps coming back to you, remember that God is patient too. And I do remember that God has been so patient with me. God has been so patient with me. I had a revelation just at the end of last year, just the patience of God. It reminded me just how good God is, that he'd be so patient with me, that he'd keep lifting me up out of a pit and I'd keep jumping back in the same pit of sin. God has been so patient. You know, David's writing this psalm and he says, I waited patiently on the Lord. He turned and heard my cry. And it's actually a psalm in two parts. We're only going to read just a little bit of the first part. In the first part, you know, David is declaring how God, as he waited patiently on God in the past, God lifted him out of the pit. And he's remembering what he did in the past and the way God worked in the past. And then the second half of the psalm, he actually finds himself in the pit again. And he's trying to remember what God did last time. He was remembering, you know, what he had to do when he was in the pit. This is a message called Patience in the Pit. I want us to unpack what God is doing while we're waiting in the pit and what he calls us to do as we wait in the pit. Firstly, while you're waiting patiently in the pit, God is listening to the cry of your heart. God's listening to the cry of your heart. I waited patiently for the Lord, he turned and he heard my cry. We've all had to do some waiting in the last two years. You know, who thought we'd still be here two years later? You know, still wearing masks, still, you know, uh, hoarding toilet paper, and and, and still, you know, nervous that we're going to get expelled from the room every time we sneeze. You know, who thought we'd still be waiting to get out of isolation? You know, waiting for kids to go back to school. Who's waiting patiently for kids to go back to school? You know, waiting. Some of us are waiting for our kids to come back to God. We're waiting for life to go back to normal. We're waiting. Now, you've got a choice while you're waiting. While you're waiting, you can either worry and fret and be filled with anxiety or while you're waiting, you can cry out to God in prayer. And what this psalm's telling us is that God is a good father. You see, a good parent, when they hear this sound, they, they, they actually go and do something to meet the needs of this baby. Now, there'll be some fathers in the room who, when they hear that sound, would fake sleep, and hope that their wife would hear it eventually and get up and he, come put your hand up if you can you just you've done that once in your life. Come, I can't be the I can see some hands. But as parents, as good parents, we actually want to hear that noise. We've got baby monitors in our room, so when we're at a distance, we can actually hear that cry, and we can go and we can meet their needs. We've got a good Father in heaven. When he hears the cry of your heart, when all you've got, when you're in the pit and all you've got left is a cry in your heart, he's never too far away to hear that cry. He hears your cry and he turns towards you. He's a good father. You see, waiting on God in the pit is not passive. It's not like waiting in a doctor's waiting room. What is it about doctors and always being late? They actually plan to be late, and so they build a waiting room. It's rude. But, you know, doctors are always like, wait, late, and so we wait passively, reading some trashy magazine. But waiting on God in the pit is not passive. It's actually a time to cry out to God. And when you cry out to God, God is listening. The question is, are you listening to him? You see, I I remember a time when I actually first started as senior pastor here and uh, I was sick with anxiety, literally. I was worried about a whole bunch of things, I was troubled about a whole bunch of things and it was making me anxious and I was physically sick. You know, to the point, I remember being in a plane, I was so sick and we went through turbulence and I said, "Ah." Jesus, it's all right. I don't mind if the plane goes down. Take me home. <laughs> That's how worried I was. That's how anxious I was. It was 12 months this this cry in my heart. God help me. God help me. But it took me 12 months to actually start listening to God. He was listening to me the whole time. He was patient with me. But as I started to listen to him, I actually realized the things that were troubling me weren't troubling him at all. He was completely at peace. And I actually learned in that season as I listened to him, to walk with him and listen to him as he looked at the things I was worried about, and I realised that he wasn't troubled in the slightest. And I learned in that season to put on the peace of God, to actually walk with God and put on the peace of God and actually live at peace. And it was actually in that process that I actually found physical healing. You now, God transformed me from the inside out. You see, God was patiently waiting for me to start listening. He was listening all along, and this is the bit. You see, God does some of his, some of his best work when we're in the pit. You know, we love him to lift him out, lift us out of difficult seasons immediately, but it's actually while we're in the pit that God does some of his best work. It's while we're in the pit that God actually reveals his character to us and refines our character to be more like him. And so in that season in the pit, 12 months of just crying out to God, God revealed his peace to me in a way I'd never known before. And he refined my character and helped me to actually walk in his peace and not live in anxiety and that 12 months when I'm crying out to him in the pit, what he did in me in that season is still blessing me 13 years later. You see, God does some of his best work while we're waiting in the pit and we cry out to him. God is listening. The question for us this morning is, are you listening? Are you listening to what he's saying to you? You see, while we're waiting in the pit, God is listening, but God is also lifting. He's lifting our feet onto solid ground. Verse uh, 2, Psalm 40, he says, "...he lifted me out of the slimy pit, out of the mud and mire, and he put my feet, he set my feet on a rock, and he gave me a firm place to stand." See, David's living in a muddy pit. We're not exactly sure you know, what pit he finds himself in. We don't know if he's kind of sinking you know, under the weight of having King Saul chase him around the countryside trying to kill him, and he's hiding in a cave with a bunch of malcontents. We're not sure if that's the pit that he's talking about. We're not sure if he's, he's in the dark pit where his son Absalom, years later, is actually trying to kill him. That's a pretty dark pit. It feels like he's sinking. His own son is trying to kill him. What we do know is David feels stuck. He feels stuck in a pit, and maybe this morning you feel stuck. Maybe you feel stuck in a pit of despair. Maybe you feel stuck in a pit of disappointment or depression. Maybe you're stuck, you know, in a pit of bitterness. There's been a relationship that has broken, and there's this bitterness that's overcome you, and you can't shake it. You're just stuck. It doesn't matter how much you strive. It doesn't matter how much you try in your own strength to get out of it. You just feel stuck in a pit, And what God is saying to us through this psalm is when we find ourselves stuck in those places, he's the one who lifts us out of that sinking place and puts our feet on a solid rock. As I've been thinking about this psalm over the last few weeks, God's just reminded me of uh, an old doctrine about the character of God that actually goes way back to the early church fathers and was spoken about right through to you know the Westminster Confessions and you know the, the the as the church is 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 reformed and the Protestant Church becomes a thing, but it's it's actually a a word or a doctrine that's kind of been lost in the modern day church in some ways. It's the doctrine of immutability. The immutability of God. Let me just read just a little bit of, uh, from the Westminster Confession. It says, There is but one living and true God who is infinite in being and perfection, a most pure spirit, invisible without body parts or passions, immutable, Immense, eternal, incomprehensible, almighty, most wise, most holy, most free, most absolute, working all things according to the counsel of his own immutable and most righteous will for his own glory. Now, immutable, it, it doesn't mean, it's not describing that person who always forgets to turn off mute in a Zoom meeting. I mean, we need a word for that because it's annoying. uh, You know, who who would have known the last two years we'd say so often, hey mate, you're still on mute, we can't hear you. I was thinking about, preaching about this, so on Thursday I was in three different Zoom meetings and I just counted how many times I had to say, hey, you're still on mute. 17 times on Thursday alone, five of them was simply saying, Hey Derek Peters, you're still on mute. Five times. We need a word for this, but it's not immutability. Immutability means unchanging, it means unable to be modified. The immutability of God. Means that God's promises, God's purposes, God's character, it never changes. In our statement of faith here at Gateway, we've probably got some more modern language to kind of describe it. It says, We say this, we worship one eternal God in three persons Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. God is unchangeable and infinitely good, revealing Himself as loving and personal. And so we see this idea of the immutability of God right throughout scripture in the old testament psalm uh, 102 it says in the beginning you laid the foundations of the earth and the heavens are the work of your hands but they will perish but you will remain they will wear out like a garment like clothing you will change them and they will be discarded but you God remain the same and your years will never end In James chapter 1, and you know, part of uh, this verse was actually being borrowed by the hymn writer, writing Great is Thy Faithfulness. It says, Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of the heavenly lights, who does not change like shifting shadows. God is immutable, He's impassable, He's unchanging. He is unable to be modified. He never changes. So, this is something we've got to take hold of this morning. God is never despairing. God never despairs like you despair because He sees the end from the beginning. God always has hope for the future. He never finds himself in a place of despair. God is never depressed. He is he, he never, he, never shrouded in darkness. He always sees hope and light for the future. I want us to take hold of this because I hear this all the time. I hear people expressing this in different ways all the time. God is never disappointed in you. It's not in his nature. You see, God is infinite and he's omniscient. He's all-knowing. You see, disappointment in our humanity comes when our expectations are here and what becomes reality lands here. And so this gap here between expectation and reality is what causes disappointment. Disappointment. But God's expectations and reality are always the same because he's the same yesterday and forever. He sees the beginning from the end He's the alpha and the omega. There's nothing he doesn't know. He's completely infinite. He's immutable. He's unchangeable. He never despairs. He's never depressed, and he's never disappointed in you. God is immutable, But it doesn't mean he's unfeeling. And that's been some of the objection in the modern day church to this old doctrine. That that it means that God is unfeeling, he's just like a robot, he's just like a computer. No, that's not true. You see, God's not, God doesn't just feel love. It doesn't just come and go as a passing emotion. God is love. The thing that the Psalms keep reminding us about is that God's love endures forever. The old hymn writer, writing, Great is thy faithfulness. You know, it says, There is no shadow of turning from thee, thy compassions, they fail not. Thou hast been, and they forever will be. God is never changing. This is why this is so important. All right, when when you're sinking in a pit of disappointment, depression, despair, striving harder in your own strength doesn't help you get out of that sinking feeling. It's true physically, you sink deeper down into the sinking miry clay when you strive and you struggle on your own. The only way you get up out onto stable ground is when you surrender to the will of the one who is on stable ground and you let him lift you out. That's why our Saviour Needed to be immutable, unchangeable. That's why right throughout the scriptures, God is described as a mighty fortress that will never be shaken. That's why Jesus is the rock of our salvation. He lifts us out of sinking sand and he puts our feet upon a rock. An old pastor and theologian, Stephen Charnock, says, "The nearer we get to God, the more stability we have in our lives, because our feet are in a solid place." If you think in the immutability of God, you know, still, you know, feels a little unfeeling. We we never see the enormity of God's love for us. Than when Jesus Christ, the perfect, eternal Son of God, actually stepped down, He did not equate equality with God, something to be held on to, but He actually stepped down into the pit of humanity, and He can empathize with the human feeling of, of, of depression and despair and disappointment. He empathizes with us, but on the cross, He actually took on the fullness of the despair of our sin, despairing because it separates us from the God of eternal love. He took on that cross, the full despair of our sin, and he put it to death. But death could not hold him down. He rose from the dead and he is now seated in the heavenly realms with all power and all authority. It's unchanging. And for the rest of eternity, until he comes again, he is interceding for you and for me. And so when the devil comes... and says look he's jumped into the pit of sin again banish him look what he's done he's not a real christian you know, you've got to be disappointed in him jesus is there seated at the right hand of god because his job is finished it's already been done on the cross and he's interceding for us and when the devil comes and wants to drag us back down into a pit he says no father forgive them it is finished It's done. Our feet have been set on solid ground. When all around us is sinking sand, on Christ, the solid rock, our stand. While you're waiting patiently in the pit, God is lifting. One of the ways that he lifts us is when we stop striving and we stop struggling in our own strength and we begin to lift our eyes to heaven and we surrender to the will of the one who is the rock of our salvation. I wonder if just for a moment right now we can just lift our eyes to heaven. Mark's just going to lead us just... uh, Declaring those words, on Christ, the solid rock, I stand. All other things are shifting sand. Great is thy faithfulness. There's no shadow of turning from thee. Thy compassions, they fail not. They are unchanging. It's a solid place to stand. Come on, just lift your eyes to heaven this morning. Sing these old words to an old song.
1: Hope is built. Jesus' blood and righteousness, I dare not trust the sweetest rain, but wholly trust in Jesus' name, Christ's Son.
2: Of our salvation. You know, while you're waiting patiently in the pit, God is listening to the cry of your heart. When all you've got is a cry in your heart, God is listening. When you're waiting patiently in the pit, God is lifting us onto solid ground. And because I had listening and lifting, I needed the third one to start with the L. You're waiting? While you're waiting patiently in the pit, God is lyricizing a new song in your heart. How do you like that? Few love it, some don't. Susan's fault was her idea. Let me just read. Psalm uh, Psalm 40 verse 3, it says, He put a new song in my mouth, a hymn of praise to our God. And because of this new song, many will see and fear the Lord and put their trust in Him. God is giving you a new song in this season, a song of praise, a song of salvation. He's lifting you out of the mire and into the choir. That's mine. But this is not just for singers. As you heard me say before, I'm the worst singer in the world. I cannot hold a tune. Although, I'll just have you know, I have sung in the choir twice in the opera house. A matinee and an evening spectacular. I was in grade five and I was in the choir because there was pretty girls in the choir, but I sang in the opera house. You don't have to be a singer. We're all called as God's people to sing His praises. It, it lifts us into a, a new place that lifts our hearts, it lifts our spirits, giving you a, a, a new song. And you don't have to start, you don't have to, to wait until you're out of the pit of difficulty that you're in right now to start singing. It's actually as we start singing that that, that God begins to lift us into a new season. That as we praise him in the pit, he puts a new song in our heart for the future. And your song of praise that helps others find salvation, it says what what God does in you will actually help others fear God, help, help others find salvation in God. It's not always a victory song. Sometimes it's God as a declaration of God, you have all I need, but right now I'm hanging on to you by a thread. And sometimes when you're in that pit of depression and that's all you've got, it's the only song that you've got to sing. Your testimony to the people around you of staying faithful to God through tough times is the thing that's actually going to draw people to Him. And sometimes it'll be a victory song. Sometimes it'll be a the, the incredible thing, you know, that God has done that only He could have done. We actually got to start singing that song of praise while we're in the pit. Marky up here has been our worship pastor here for a long time. We've sat on some stools like this before. Just have a look at this photo. It's going back uh, in time a little bit. It was before he was a worship pastor, but he had started uh, playing guitar on stage. Look how skinny he is. You've got to blow him over. That's the worst haircut you've ever had, Marky, but... uh... I see you hasn't hasn't seen (laughs) But I love... uh... Uh, Mate, I love your ministry to us in worship, but mate, you found yourself in a pit yourself at the end of last year, and uh, mate, I just appreciate you being willing today just to share a little bit of uh, your journey over the last few months.
0: Yeah, I did find myself in a a pit, and um, I surprised myself by getting into the pit, to be honest, because I'd always almost prided myself for thought of myself as somebody who could work through anything, uh, you know, quite disciplined, quite strong-minded, uh, hard-working. uh And then I got to a place uh, very, very quickly where I, I couldn't handle anything. I couldn't get out of bed. I couldn't um, handle the tasks of life. I couldn't have conversations with people. It was just all too overwhelming. I was just uh, quite depressed and anxious and all these external pressures of life uh, just pressuring me. And uh, yeah, it, was, it was the darkest time of my life, I think. It was um, something I, I look back on only you know recent history and, and uh, it was very, very, very difficult. And uh, I was not the person I wanted to be. I was not the person that I knew that God had created me to be as well. Um, the freedom that I had known in my life uh, didn't exist. And, uh, yeah, it was, it was a difficult time.
2: Appreciate you sharing uh, that with us. And I've loved just watching the way that God has been just healing your heart and restoring you in the last little while. You know, in that season, was there a song that you sung that really ministered to you personally? Uh,
0: Not at first. At first, it was... Really, really difficult to sing anything. I, didn't, I probably didn't sing any song for about two months and it was uh, difficult. As a worship pastor, that's my, it's my connection with God. That's how I communicate with God. I, I just love to worship Him and I just I couldn't bring myself to sing. And then He revealed songs to me that kind of ministered to my heart and then as I started to sing them, it gave me words uh, to uh, rediscover His kindness and His generosity and His um, his heart for me, I think.
2: was there a particular song that, uh, I know there was probably a bunch of songs over time, but was there a particular song that ministered to you? Yeah,
0: there's a song that uh, called All in All, and uh, I'll play it for now if you like.
2: Just let it minister to you. Now, yeah, one of the things, God puts a song in our heart when we're in the pit to heal us and to restore us. And I love the way God's been doing that for Marky. Maybe just close your eyes and just let these words wash over you this morning
1: in the desert you're the river an ever flowing stream of life in the battle you're the victor we raise your back darkness, you're the fire, a holy flame for all to see, and in my heart you reign forever, my own
2: just thank Mark for sharing with us. I just believe God's writing a new song in our heart. I believe God's writing a new song in your heart, a song of praise, a song of salvation. And maybe like David... It's actually looking back to the things that God has done in the past and while you're still in the pit, beginning to praise God for what you've seen Him do in the past. You know, maybe to help you write your new song, you actually got to do what it says in verse 5. It says, Many, Lord, my God, are the wonders you have done, the things you planned for us. None can compare with you. Were I to speak and tell of your deeds, they would be too many to declare. Maybe it's just time for you to look back and to count your blessings, to see the ways that God has saved and lifted and delivered you in the past and to begin to praise him. And sometimes it's choosing to praise him with that old song that is the catalyst to lift us into a new season. Sometimes it's the, it's the words and it's the remembering of who God is and what he's like that will actually heal your heart, restore your soul, and it will begin to lift your eyes out of your circumstances and into the heavens. And you begin to have the same hope, the same faith, the same love that your God in heaven has and begins to lift you into a new season. You see, God is unchanging, and what is unchanging is that we are his people that praise him. This is 1 Peter, it says you're a chosen people, you're a royal priesthood, you're a people belonging to God, you're a holy nation that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness and into his wonderful light. You see, there's a new song that God is writing in you personally and there's a new song I believe He's writing in His church. He's calling us to a new place of joy in praise and a new place of surrender in worship because when you're in the pit, struggling and straining in your own strength means you just sink deeper but actually surrendering to the will of the one who is a mighty fortress, who is the rock of our salvation, and letting him lift us onto stable ground. That's where we get new hope for a new song. I believe the new season of worship he's calling us into as a church, a new place of joy in praise, a new place of surrender in worship. You know, we're not the first people to wait patiently in the pit and for God to put a new song in their heart. If you go way back in history, you know, the people of uh, Israel were literally in the pit. They were in the miry clay. They were making bricks out of clay in slavery in Egypt. And they began to cry out to God. God turned and he heard their cry and he lifted them out of that pit and he placed their feet upon solid ground on the other side of the Red Sea. And as they're standing there on that solid ground, he puts a new song in the heart of Moses and Miriam. It's the first worship song. That the people of God sang, Exodus 15. They sang, I'll sing to the Lord, for he's highly exalted. Both horse and driver, he's hurled into the sea. The Lord is my strength and my defense. He has become my salvation. He is my God, and I will praise him, my father's God, and I will exalt him. Much more personally, Zechariah and Elizabeth, they've been waiting patiently to start a family for decades. And God heard their cry, miraculously gave them a baby in their old age, put a new song in their heart as they welcomed a baby who would make a way for the saviour of the world to come. And they sang in Luke chapter 1, praise be the Lord, the God of Israel, because he has come to his people and he has redeemed them. It's a song of praise for us today. Simeon waited his whole life. In a time where God went silent for 400 years, he didn't send any prophets. They hadn't heard the word of God, but he kept waiting patiently for God to fulfill his promise and send a Messiah. And God was faithful. At the end of his life, is in the temple when Jesus is presented there and he sings a new song Luke chapter 2 he says praise Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you may now dismiss your servant in peace, for my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in sight of all the nations. Paul and Silas are in the darkness of a prison cell, and they didn't wait to get lifted out until they started singing hymns of praise to our God. In the darkness of that cell, they were simply there because they were sharing the gospel. They began to lift up hymns of praise to God and God turned up in power. He turned the lights on. He smashed the doors open and they were set free to keep sharing the gospel and planting churches because the purposes of God are unchanging. There is a new song that God is putting at our heart as we wait patiently on Him. We are His chosen people to declare the praises of Him who called Called us out of darkness into his glorious light. Can I hear an amen this morning? Come on, let's jump to our feet. While we're waiting, God is listening. While we're waiting, God is lifting. And while we're waiting, God is lyricizing. He's putting a new song in our heart. I want us to do that right now. I actually hate it when people play with their phone in church. You tell me you're reading the Bible, I don't believe you. But today I want you to get out your phone. I actually want you to write two lines to your song of praise. Come on, what is it? Get your phone out. If you haven't got a phone, get out a bit of paper, a bit of paper and a pen. I only want you to write two lines. Come on, what's the new song? What's the song of praise? God's birthing in your heart. See, this song will not only give glory to God, but it'll bless you, and it's going to be a testimony to people around you. As you sing it, as you pray it, as you pray it over your family, as you pray it over your marriage, as you pray it over your kids, come on, get your phone out. I really want you to do this. Just write a couple of lines of a song of praise. It doesn't have to rhyme. You don't actually have to put it to music. It's just a prayer of praise, it's a declaration of praise in your heart, something you know is true about God and you're going to keep coming back to you're going to keep declaring some of you will go home and write a whole song but right now, come on, just two lines think back to what God's done in the past just write with faith of what he's going to do in the future if you're at home, come on, grab your phone Grab a bit of paper. I've never been so excited about seeing people playing on their phone in church. Come on, just begin to write a new song. A song of praise. A song of salvation. A song that many others will see and fear the Lord. There's a new season of praise and worship He's calling us into. There's a new song he's put on your heart. Father God, today, whether we're at home, whether we're sitting here in these uh, pews this morning, God, would you just continue to put a song of praise in our heart, a song just declaring the wonderful deeds that you have done. A song that just declares your unchanging nature. A song that declares your, your unfailing love and compassion. God, would you birth a new song in our hearts. Come on.
0: We hope you've been blessed by this message. If you've made a decision to follow Christ, we'd love to encourage you on your journey. Help us to help you by going to gatewaybaptist.com.au and clicking on Get Connected.